0: Hi, and welcome to Hope Chapel. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to see you at a worship service, so if you'd like to join us, services happen every Sunday at 10 a.m. Also, we've made this sermon available for you for free, but hope you consider giving some sort of donation. If you'd like to include us in your tithe or just give a one-time gift to the church, go to hopechapellongbeach.com slash give. Today, I want to speak about Christian bonding from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. You know, it's a beautiful thing when you think about how God has delivered us and uh, how he has made us the dear children of God. These are beautiful themes to think about and to preach about constantly. And uh, all the wondrous promises of God are just unimaginably fantastic. And here's one today, and I like to think about, This this particular promise is a promise that we can improve on. Certainly, we can't improve on having been delivered and saved and made children of God. We can't improve on that. But when it comes to Christian unity and fellowship, we can work on that. And uh, the Bible says we can endeavor. In the book of Ephesians, it says we can endeavor to keep the bond of unity, to keep the fellowship together. That means there's something we can do to actually make it better and make it shine more brightly to the world and so in john chapter 17 he talks about jesus talks about the bond in the holy trinity and then he speaks about the love that 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 bond is based upon this perfect love and that he's included us in the beloved so let's look now at john chapter 17 and verse 20 Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Uh, So let's just say by that there's more bonding to come. And and what a great joy it is. So bonding is a continual thing. The Lord adds to the church daily as such as as should be saved and included in this, this family. You know, our, our church received a very great compliment last week. We had a visitor, a, a friend of mine came by, and he, he said, he remarked on how our church had such a home feeling. Uh, that, that was his, uh, analysis of having been here with us, had a great home feeling. And I thought, I thought about that, you know, how that there is a tremendous sense of family, community in our church. And that's because we have endeavored to be close. So my question today is, are you getting enough fellowship? Are you getting enough fellowship? And in that, enjoying this great gift that God has given us, the bond that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, and the bond that we have to Christ himself. Um, A man that discipled me in Colorado, he he used to sign his letters whenever he wrote to me, He said, yours in the bonds of Christ, that we're bonded together in Christ. And what a beautiful thing that is when we think of our salvation, we think of eternal life, we think of being sons and daughters of God, that we're also bonded in this perfect bond that Jesus has with the Father. It's just incredible. So he says, there's more to come. He begins with, there's more to come. Those that will believe on me Through their word. Now, of course, it's his word. It's his word we're giving out. But he says it's their word. It's going to be their word. They're going to spread the word and spread this fellowship that I have with my father and he has with me. And so going on, he says in verse 21, that they all may be one. As you, Father, art in me. And I guess here's a huge question. Am I one with you (laughs) as Jesus and the Father are one? Yes. Yes. Uh, He accomplished that when he saved us. He, he, he He brought us together and he created this perfect bond between you and I. And whether we're being patient with each other or not, that bond is there, and that bond is eternal, and that bond is going to last for all eternity. Uh, so get used to me. You're going to be around me a long time. Okay. So, wow, that's great. So let's, let's polish it. Let, let's endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he says that they all may be one as you, Father, art in me. And that's perfection. So as Christians, we strive for perfect fellowship. And of course, the devil is doing what he can do to impair that. That's the enemy. But we're bonded in Christ. says so. And he's accomplished this in saving us. As you are, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Referring to, the of course, the triune God. This perfect fellowship, this perfect bond that exists between the Trinity, we have been included in. That's marvelous. That's marvelous. That the world may believe that you have sent me. In other words, this, this bond of love is going to create an attraction, an attraction. And you think about in the simplest terms that I can explain because I'm no scientist, but God has created the world with this whole thing of bonding. If you think about atoms, okay, as the tiniest and invisible and not not something you can see with the naked eye, that our whole existence depends upon atomic bonding. In the nucleus of the atom, you have these protons and neutrons, the the proton giving off a positive charge, and the neutron, of course, like it's name, neutral, and then the electrons that orbit the nucleus, right? And these electrons, depending upon how many they are, are attracted to other types of atoms, like the hydrogen. And the simplest way we can we can understand it: the hydrogen atom is attracted to the oxygen atom. And when two of those atoms, uh, the electrons that are surrounding the atom bond. Right. A scientific term is that they lose themselves. I thought that was interesting when I was, you know, just reading up on this: that they lose themselves in each other. So the independence is gone and you have the molecule of H2O. You have water. Life-giving water. And all things depend upon this. And it's so interesting that the model of the universe where you have the sun and, of course, you have the planets orbiting the sun, it's very similar to atomic structure, isn't it? The largest... It's very similar to the tiniest. And how God has created this life to be a bonding thing. So when these electrons, you know, they get together, right? They're attracted. And they attach. They get attached. <laughs> they bond. This is the, God's definition of love. That they're interdependent. They lose their independence and they lose themselves and haven't we lost ourselves uh jesus says if you die to yourself right you're going to live eternally right but if you seek to save your life keep that independence and even things like uh, you know when you're traveling on the freeway a carpool is much more efficient when there's two instead of just one I don't know how, how good of an illustration that was, but I kind of thought I'd throw that in there. To, to be together, togetherness. And the question is, are you getting enough fellowship? And secondly, are you getting the kind of fellowship that the early church had? So I, I looked into how they bonded and how they related to each other, the early church, and it was pretty revealing. Uh, of course, we all know they didn't have cell phones. So how could you accomplish true Christian fellowship without a cell phone? That that was amazing to me, and then somehow they did it. So let's take a look at the early church and their bonding behaviors. <laughs> I'll call them that. All right. So we have we've talked about in John the glory, verse twenty two, the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may Be one, even as we are one. Perfect in holiness, perfect in love. And so we have loving and being loved. Now, to truly be loved, and of course everybody thinks they want to be loved, okay? But to truly be loved is to be able to love. Because you can never really be loved if you don't love back. And so there's loving in the Christian life, there's loving and being loved, giving and receiving, which creates a oneness, which Jesus promised would attract the world, make them desirous to be of a Christian. I can think of nothing so repulsive as somebody going to church and find that people are bickering and and debating and, you know, just having disunity and that kind of stuff, that kills our evangelistic power does it it kills it in fact the thrust and the main force of evangelism and Christ adding to the church is us planting and watering and of course this is something that when we do this we're giving out the word uh, we have in common that mutual work that mutual effort of reaching the world with the word of God and that's attractive when the backdrop, right is love and unity in the body of Christ. And so of course we want to preserve that because it's it's uh, there's eternal life in it. So you have oneness which comes from loving and being loved, which creates an attraction for the world. Now Jesus taught, talked about this. He called it glory, the glory of God. Now, glory means, uh, if you want to define the word, biblically speaking, it means the exhibition of the excellence of the attributes of God, which, of course, all of God's attributes are beautiful and powerful, wonderful, and they are in us. We who have believed in him are in possession of, of Christ, who said, that he would come to us and he would indwell us and he would infill us, right? And so these attributes, the glory of God, as sin causes us to fall short of the glory of God, the glory of God are those attributes of God, fruits of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, that are shining as a light in the world. That's the, the glory, the excellence of God. And if something's excellent, you want to show it off? Do you have anything excellent you want to show off? You know that you restored that Model T, and you want to take that to a to a car show, and you want to you want to put it on display. And so the unity of the Christian church is on display. It's on display, and it's excellent when it's truly what it should be. And of course, as I mentioned early, Satan is always trying to ruin the bond. He's always trying to mess it up. He's always trying to create disunity. In our relationships, we have to protect them. And the way we protect them is with forgiveness. The forgiveness that we have received, that means you are empowered to forgive. Whoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. You're empowered to forgive. And this is a, a wonderful privilege and duty of every Christian to maintain the bond of the, the, the bond of unity with peace. Peace. And but as James says, if you bite and devour one another, you're that person that you know, that kind of stuff, you're killing it. You're killing the power of attraction. And Satan wants that to happen, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's why he says he is a sower of discord among brethren. We're not each other's enemies. He's our enemy. And what he's going to try to do is try to create division in the church. Now, you can have a spirit of unity and not necessarily agree on every point of doctrine. You can have different views on the minor points of doctrine, and and not have a spirit of disunity about it. You can discuss these things like a gentleman, like a lady. Okay, if you don't see it that way, okay, I still love you. There's no love loss. There's no love loss between us, even though we may disagree on a minor plea. Right? We sing that. Don't let it trip you up. Let Jesus fill your cup. <laughs> And so we just keep going, even though there may be disunity about how we view the Bible on the central theme of Christianity, the Savior of the world, a lost world being redeemed by a Savior and a coming Savior. We are in perfect unity. And so we have to sometimes go back to that, don't we? And forgive the lesser issues. And in that... We're preserving the love and the attraction that's created by that love. Hey, I want to join that church. I want to join that God because I know the greatness of of that person's God by how they worship him. So the exhibition of the excellent, of the attributes of God, and there we, we look to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And then the effort to improve On the bond, the testimony to keep it pure, losing our independence in Christ, we become a happy molecule, right? A happy molecule. And a team player. A team player. So I think when we join a church, we need to really accept fully the response, our responsibility in maintaining this beautiful bond that God has within himself and now has made us partakers in the beloved. We have a huge responsibility and an accountability that's God-given to preserve that and to, to work, work it. All right. So the early church, now if we'll look at uh, the book of Acts, Here's some tips, all right? Acts chapter 2, verse 41. You want a tip? I'll give you a tip. All right, Acts 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So what is it that made the church attractive? Joy, gladness, praise, worship, joy, gladness, praise, and worship, thanksgiving, all those things, all the above, made the church attractive. And they were glad in their salvation. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. So it's a gladsome thing when we come together to praise and thank God and give testimony and fellowship in his word. Fellowship in his word. So we're getting fellowship today, and it's a, iron is sharpening iron. And there's a gladsomeness in it. <clears throat> so he says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship. Now, I had this a beautiful experience. Thursday morning, we were singing this this beautiful hymn. Right after our morning prayer meeting, I was sitting next to a man I did not know. And the 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 man that was leading worship, he made a r- remark about the beauties of heaven and how great it'll be in heaven, and the you know just the treasure of heaven. And the man next to me, he tapped me on the shoulder. I didn't know him. Right, and I'm just sitting next to him, and he points at something in the Word, and I look down at it and says, "Who have I in heaven but Thee?" In other words, taking my mind away from you know the treasure of heaven, the streets of gold, and the gates of pearl, and the city four square, and this reward that we're all going to receive. He, caused, he, he was thinking, he was loving Jesus and he wanted me to see that he was thinking about the most important thing to him when he sees, when he gets to heaven, is seeing Jesus face to face. Now, doesn't that Bible, the Bible say, we shall see face to face. And I want to say something about fellowship. Texting is not face to face. Well, there is, of course, that, what do they call that, Lynn? FaceTime. Well, at least we're getting a little warmer, all right? But sometimes we text because it's easy. Hey, I'll get this thing done, and I don't really have to talk to anybody. I don't really have to interact with anybody, you know, or listen to anybody. A text to take care of that, right? I, I, I'm bad too in this area. But Paul said, "I long to see your face. Now it may be that you have an unholy mug, but I still long to see it." Okay. I, I, my jokes are just falling flat. <laughs> well, I, I had a bad headache, so that's that's my whole excuse, all right? But the need to be together face-to-face, to face. and sometimes when people get together face-to-face, to face, they're face-to-face face with their cell phone. Yes. They're using their cell phone as a crutch because they don't know how to interact and fellowship in the body of Christ. Not just cell phones. I'm not against cell phones or anything like that. It's just that I'm against them. (laughs) But a magazine could do the same thing. Instead of witnessing to the guy in the dentist office, you know, lobby, you got a mag, you got, you know, people magazine. But you're not interested in real people. (laughs) Face to face is real. Real Christian fellowship. And there should be a longing. If you're bonded, if you're attached to somebody in the body of Christ, there should be a longing to get together face to face and break bread together. Now, here's one of my favorite things. Is eating together. And the early church did that. They were house to house breaking bread. Look at that in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now, was that they were taking Holy Communion? I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it wasn't that. But I like to think they were always in each other's houses eating together. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, it's in the bond of fellowship. And it's in the bond of Christ's love, yours in the bonds of Christ, that miracles occur. And it's beautiful to watch how they were building the kingdom of God, spreading the kingdom of God by their fellowship and by their eating together in love. And is that not the most attractive thing? Get those... Electrons going there, okay? For all that believed were together and had all things common. Now we're not talking about totalitarian communism here, all right, or socialism, but we're talking about a holy, a holy unity that comes, that volunteers from the heart. Hey, what's mine is yours. What's mine is yours. This is true Christian fellowship. Oh, you need some tangerines? My tree's loaded. Amen? My tree's loaded. And that's just the spirit of Christian fellowship is to take care of each other's. Take care of each other. I've got your back and you've got mine. And it's a beautiful thing. It's true Friendship that's created in heaven because the friendship and the love and the fellowship is perfect there. And our prayer is, Lord, let your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. We want to have that kind of bond in our church. And I am sure that we do. I'm sure that we do. Because when there's a party... It's not just the food I'm interested in. It's that face-to-face interaction and that fellowship, that mutual agreement. You, like this brother who points to me, and I I said to him, I I said, heaven could be nothing. Streets of gold could be nothing without Jesus. And he and I were bonded at that very moment. His grin and my grin, worshiping God together. Thank you, Lord. It's the sweetest thing. The side of heaven is Christian fellowship, be it truly Christian. But Satan is always trying to come in and ruin that. So we need to guard against it. And how do we do that? Well, by forgiveness. Apostle Paul said, he said, I want you to reaffirm your love to this brother who was disciplined He had his father's wife, and he was disciplined, yes. And we believe in discipline, but he said, now that he's repented, I want you to reaffirm your love to him, lest Satan should get an advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And what would his device be? Is to push this brother out and keep him out. The whole point of discipline is to draw somebody back to Christ who has gone astray not keep them out. So, there are times in our lives where the Holy Spirit's gonna, he's gonna hiss right in the heart and say, you need to reaffirm your love to that person. Because Satan will get in there, won't he, with these lies. He's the father of all lies, and he could be lying to you about somebody that loves you very much. I like to think that neglect is accidental when you feel neglected that that's accidental and that what's on purpose is plans for your good plans to bless I know everybody in this church would make plans to bless anybody else in this church and if there's neglect we're only human and it's accidental so when slighted now I'm going to tell you a principle here I've tried to apply in my life and boy it's been hard it's been hard when slighted, slight the slight and love the slighter. Think of neglect, or oh, I I was neglected, or I wasn't invited, or I was forgotten, or I was left out, or I'm not visited, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? It goes on and on. Think of that as accidental, and that this person you're feeling this way about, if they were going to do something on purpose, it would be to bless you. And I think it will help you to forgive. The lack of love. The lack of love. And to increase, the Bible says, to increase the spirit in the body. A young man told me once, you don't have enough huggers in the church. I said, well, don't you leave. You're the only hugger I've got. So we come to church to give love and not just thinking about receiving love We come to church with a forbearing spirit, a patient spirit, and we need to pray for that. I know I do. We need to pray, Lord, help me to have patience because I need you, Lord, to have patience with me. I certainly hope that my Heavenly Father is not picking on me the way I pick on some people. So if I want that grace to flood toward me, Let it flood out of me. That's what Jesus said. So, fellowship. The bond of fellowship. Wow, what a gift. What a gift. And it's right there in the Godhead. So, we're loving and being loved. Amen? We have oneness through the scripture. We create an attraction to the world. We set in exhibition the excellent attributes of God and we keep this testimony pure our testimony in the world is essential so Lord keep me from sin that I can be a light and a testimony in the world and it said they had all things common now we think about our house okay we need to remind ourselves it's not my house it's not my house this house is dedicated to the work of the Lord and you gave it to me Lord and, and if somebody you know sits on the arm of the chair then whenever I look over at that that arm that's been broken and uh I can say that's a testimony to the fact that this is Jesus house and not mine and I remember I had these this one couch you know we had so many bible studies and so many of the uh the people had sat on the arms of those chairs that they looked like one of those bowed back horses you know well god will give you a new house i mean a new chair a new couch whatever maybe the fact that your house is banged up is because you had all things in common and you shared it and you realize it wasn't your house So people should feel welcome and wanted. Oh, you're welcome, but don't make me feel welcome. Make me feel wanted and welcome. Because I'm an Italian. Okay. Come, come over to my house and hang out and be at home. And if something that somebody does is a little bit buggy to your material things just put that on the altar of jesus christ i i remember when i went to visit my very snobbish rich aunt and she saw me standing at the door for dinner with my two children she looked at the children she said don't let them touch a thing that's the first thing she said to me so i'm telling you people who are materialistic out there to lighten up all right light enough it's God's house and if somebody breaks something in your house or something like that and you are using it for the glory of God that's a medal that's a medal yeah sometimes we can't always I'm gonna start meddling here sometimes we can't always get the house as straight and as neat as we'd like to have it Amen? amen yeah so you ladies just unwind a little bit okay and have people in your home. It doesn't have to be perfect. This is this little bit of meddling, and you may want to tar and feather me afterwards. But that's just a thought I had. Just ran right through my head. All right. They sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now in these days they were running from persecution, so I can see like I can see how that would fit. But. Do you think, here's just a thought, do you think they were getting enough fellowship being communal? Have you ever lived in a Christian commune? I have. Dare to? (laughs) I've lived in a Christian commune. And it's not always easy, but at least you get enough fellowship. (laughs) And we are, the way we are so compartmentalized in our society today, when you go to a restaurant, you want to be in a booth, that's, uh, you know, covered and protected from all the other people. I remember my pastor took me to a place where you sat down at these picnic tables with other people. I said, are you crazy? But we are very private, right? And I think that this privacy, I tell you, this privacy is a hindrance to the gospel of Christ. So reach out and touch someone, and you don't have to work for the telephone company to do that, okay? Be available. Be exposed to people. That's who Christ died for. So they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. One of the things that I love about Hope Chapel is no one can have a need in this church without somebody rushing to fill that need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Food always tastes better in the mouth of a friend. Praising God and having favor with all the people. How did Jesus increase? Jesus increased in stature and in favor with God and man. You know, when you've got joy written all over your face, it's attractive, it's attractive. This this week uh, we had a a Christian man came by our house and, and I didn't know him and he had joy written all over his face and I was talking with him at the door. He says, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, of course you can pray for me. He laid hands on me, he prayed for me in the name of Jesus. And this guy, when he left, I'm losing a treasure. Because he had so much joy. Pastor Wormann used to say, pray much, smile much, and write the Soviet embassy. All right? (laughs) If you don't have a smile when you see someone, you're a dunt. So get that big toothy grin out there and act like you're excited to see people. Of course, we all have our bad days, but some have more than they should. Okay. So they they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. Mm, Okay, now Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. And where was this power coming? How was it emanating? It was coming from the bond of love. As I mentioned, loving and being loved. Oneness, this great power, this great attraction, the exhibition of the excellence of Christ's love as seen in you. You are the first Christ someone's going to meet. I don't know Christ. What is he like? Can you say he's like you? Well, power. This is power. And he said, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. This is getting intense here. This is getting like crazy. And laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. I've been so blessed in all the years that I've had the privilege of pastoring Hope Chapel. I've never had any elder or deacon on our board of leadership that ever said no to something or somebody that had need. And I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating. Because the spirit is the spirit of if they have need, give it. God will take care of us. We don't have to be concerned with our survival. We have to be concerned with yielding what God wants us to yield from us. Because it's in the giving that we have true treasure. He'll take care of our survival. Because he has said, God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, the Lord, kill another cow. We're going to give like a drunk man. We're going to give hilariously. We're going to give everywhere we can give to every anyone we can give to and do good with our hands because we know we have a heavenly father that's going to more than supply us. That's the true wealth is casting it down, surrendering it to the work of God. And you know what? You'll never be able to outgive God. The early church, pretty homey, weren't they? Pretty homey. They laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of a country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. God bless him. He was free, and he was in the center of the bond of Christ. Let's go back now to John 17 and verse 23. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Did Jesus ever say, I love you? Well, he said something better. I searched the Bible to say where Jesus said, I love you. He said something better. I've always loved you. I have loved you. From the beginning of creation, before time began, he has loved us and continues to love us and will continue to love us. How great is that? If I say I love you, that means I started somewhere and I may end up not loving you. But God's love isn't that way. He says, as you have loved me, Heavenly Father, so I have loved past tense. I have always loved them. Oh, I love that. I love that as you have loved me. What kind of love is it? Is it inferior to the love in the the holy triune God? Is it an inferior love? It's the same love. It's the same bond given by God. Now, if you're a Christian today, can you say that I'm not loving and being loved? Of course not. Father, I will that they also Whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Now, here's a quality of love. And I've mentioned this earlier. Love needs to be together. Needs to be together. It's called togetherness. Needs to be together. And he says, those that you've given me may be with me where I am. I don't like you somewhere else. I want you right here. That's love. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. So, what do you think we're going to be doing in heaven? The same thing we're doing here. House to house, I'll go to Lynn's mansion, I'll go to Al's mansion. Probably looking better than mine anyway, so I want to go to a nice place, right? I'm going to go around visiting, eating, fellowshipping, and who knows? I may be a short order cook up there, and you can come over for the best tacos you ever had. In this glorified place called heaven, that's what we're going to be doing is figuring out ways to love each other, be together, and bless each other. So why don't we get started right now? That's what a church is. That's why we have a church. And if you take love out of the equation, you don't have anything. You got an organization. You got church bureaucracy, all right? And I've seen that. So love is the essential. And love is needy. Well, how can God need us? He's not worshiped with men's hands as though he... Needs anything? How can he need us? Well, love is a weakness. Love is a weakness, isn't it? And it made Jesus weak. He came and he entered a weak body, like unto ours. His weakness was his love for us. Well, does he need me? Does Jesus need you? Does he love you and long to sit with you and impress you with the glory of heaven? You bet he does. He needs us there. Do you have anybody that you love that you don't need? Better check that one out. Better check that one out. He says, that you may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory Which you have given me. Now, when you're in love with somebody, you want to look into their cute face, right? You never get tired of looking into their cute face because you love them. And we're going to be looking into Jesus' cute face and he's going to be looking into our cute face. I know this is a strange sermon. Please forgive me, all right? For all eternity. And it'll never get boring there. Because you know what a bored person is? A bored person is someone who's not interested in the Word of God, because there's plenty to read, and someone that's not interested in other people, because people are fascinating. Jesus loved us when we were yet sinners. He set his love upon us. He set his love upon us before the foundation of the world. I have loved you. And you know what? He's never bored with us. He's never bored with what we have to say, and he's never bored with spending time with us. He is love. God is love, that you may behold my glory, that you might look upon my face, and that I might have you next to me where I can love you and be close to you. That's the kingdom of God, and nothing short of it. Behold my glory, which you have given me, you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. Those little electrons came over, and they hooked up. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith you have loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. I receive it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, love lets go. It lets go of worldly things like pride, And the lust of the eyes and flesh, Lord, it lets go of this world and it reaches for the love of God. And this love, Lord, you've promised has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Give us more, Lord, and help us to improve on what we've got by loving each other fervently and ardently and loving each other enough to give up our life for one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.